Mm-hmm. We have been conditioned to create personalities or characters. And those are our emissaries that we send out to the world. And so usually when we're interacting with other people, it's our persona interacting with another persona. And so we hide behind, it's like a mask. So persona equals a mask. And so true intimacy is when you strip all that away. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, uh, where you are currently, and the name of your business? So my name is Tanisha Everett, a.k.a. Tanisha McRae. I'm from Houston, Texas, you know, very popular city right now. And I'm currently in Kopangan, Thailand. And the name of my business on my website is SincerelyTanisha.com. And yeah. (laughs) Hi. So I was looking at your Instagram, Miss Tanisha. Did you just start your Sincerely Tanisha brand? Yes, I did. Before that, I was a little bit McCrae, which was a jewelry brand that I that I used to make. Um, I used to make handcrafted jewelry. Okay, so Lilith and McCrae, and you focused also on like handbags and scarves and accessories, cruelty free and sustainable. Yeah, I was well. I was. I had some scarves made, and I had planned on making some uh, handbags, but I never got around to doing that because uh, life. Um, but my jewelry <laughs> brand, <laughs> my jewelry brand was great. It ended up, uh, my jewelry brand ended up in a couple of places. Uh, one, it ended up on Lisa Nichols. Um, it ended up on a young lady who was an editor for Essence named Sharia Jackson. I actually made um, some rings for her um, launch of her book, Boss Brides. And therefore it ended up there. And then it ended up in a monthly subscription box called the Genie Box. Oh, that's so dope. So you're not doing mm. any of the jewelry anymore? No, now that I'm traveling, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to do the jewelry. You have to literally kind of be like in, in, in one place so you can create and then send stuff out. Okay, I see. Okay. And then you also um, were a part of Lattes and Lipstick. Was that your own feature as well? Yeah, that was my... Uh, this is my many years uh, after I graduated from college with my degree in fashion merchandising. Um, and it was where I like talked about fashion. So I was, I'm one of those people who tend to pick up things like I'm like an early adapter, adopter of things. And then, you know, five, six years later, I'm like, okay, I'm bored. <laughs> so I was kind of like one of the first bloggers out there. I started blogging, I started blogging in 2005. So I was blogging about fashion and, you know, trends I got to interview like up and coming musicians from around the world. So it was a pretty dope. Uh, Lattes and Lipstick was a pretty dope brand that I had created for myself. And it's also like feminist leaning. Yes, it was. I, um, and I'm still kind of in that brand and I'll, I'll explain that later. But yeah, I really, I wanted to kind of use fashion 
or beauty, because I was also a makeup artist for many years during that time period, um, to help um, women in particular see themselves in a different way. um, Because, you know, we have so many images coming at us telling us what we should look like. And as a makeup artist, you know, what made me stand out from the other makeup artists that I was working with was I didn't like recreate a woman's face. I just pulled out features that were stunning on her to make her see them and the world see them. So for me, it was like, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do with lattes and lipstick was to represent all women. So, you know, make sure there were more images of different types of women out there. Um, I think I also did interviews with uh, women who were up and coming in their field or something like that. Uh, it's been a while since I've written on that blog, but <clears throat> you know, yeah, I really, I'm really passionate about um, empowering women from the inside out, so to speak. I think that's definitely looking at your style of photography. I think that your um, philosophy when it came to makeup is also carrying over into Mm. that because it seems like all the women that you take photos of you find something really gorgeous about them in the way that they naturally pose and it's not like Mm. heavily it doesn't feel like it's heavily edited I don't know that it is but it doesn't feel that way it feels like you are catching them in moments of their everyday lives yeah, I I don't edit my pictures really. Like I try not to. Um, <laughs> uh, and I got that philosophy from this photographer I worked with in Italy when I was a makeup artist um, named um, Pasquale, and he used an analog camera, so he didn't even use digital cameras, and so he didn't edit his film because my thing is that the editing is not our real it's not our real self, right? So I'm not gonna edit these women and. The reason why the pictures look so natural, because like a lot of the women, when I started taking pictures of them, they would try to pose. And I'm like, because they were like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll take care of it. You know, they were like, but what am I supposed to do? What's it? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me take care of this. And so I would, you know, say things to them. Uh, and then when they were posing, I'll wait till they're coming out of the pose to take the picture. They don't know that I'm doing that. <laughs> Because the posing looks like posing. And so yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm an anti-poser. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, please don't pose. I've had so many. They'd be like, what about it? I'm like, that looks so, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so what I would do is I'll let them pose. And as they're coming, okay, next pose. And as they're coming at the pose, I'll get these kind of like candid snaps of them. And they always turn out fantastically. I concur. It's like really, really gorgeous. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. Because uh, I don't, I think that, I don't know, it's kind of like maybe what John Legend did when he put out his first album and it was just him and a piano. Like, you're doing away a lot of the processing, a lot of the filler, a lot of the effects. And maybe when he was recording in the album, like, there's tracks upon tracks upon tracks (laughs) of recording, but that's not the way it sounded and that's not the way it felt. It felt simple, but profound. Mhm. Mhm. And I'm yeah, I'm a big believer in stripping it all away. Yeah. Just strip it. Yeah, that's it's part of what I and I'll tell you about that later to one of the like I'm I'll I'm creating I'll be creating retreats next year and that's part of what I'm doing now. That's the process I'm in now is stripping away even my layers. And so I think the beauty beauty to me is in the strip away. Absolutely. 
So your yeah. your brand, sincerely, Tanisha. What does what all does that encompass? So <laughs> I'm a creative. <laughs> so, uh, so with sincerely, Tanisha, what what it what brought it to mind, or what uh, how it came about was I'm going to be traveling, and I'm currently right now in Thailand in the ashram, um, learning uh, traditional tantra. So I'm studying traditional tantra. I'm learning yoga, or as they call it, asanas, and uh, the Vedas, and Sanskrit, and learning about these ancient philosophies of stripping away, you know, like the conditionings and the layers uh, that we take on because of culture or society that keeps us from expressing ourselves fully, right? And so the Sincerely Tanisha brand was going to be basically me taking pictures uh, and writing stories about my process um, of this, not just this ashram, but life. Because after I leave here next week, I'll be traveling and, and spending a lot of time, you know, traveling throughout the world um, and then creating like um, retreats for women to also go through the process that I just went through here for the last six months. Um, and so it encompasses that. And then it encompasses my photography. So you got to the ashram. So, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yes, you got to the ashram back in February just this year. Yes, yeah. Kopangan. Yeah. Yeah, in Copacabana. So I came in February. It was it was a bit of a shock to the system for the first two months, you know, because we come we come with our stuff, you know. And I came with my stuff, and uh, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but whew, the process, man. Sometimes that stuff be hard. <laughs> you be getting hit. You be like, oh, and that's what it feels like. <laughs> Tears the last week I've been crying every day. People are like, You okay? I'm like, I just don't have language for what I'm feeling. And all I have, the language that I had was just tears. That's all I could do was cry. That <laughs> is a good experience. You talked about um previously hiding behind a mask of indifference and specialness. Yes. And you said yes. that, that was much easier to do than the process that you're going through now which is also reflected mm. in your brand, Sincerely Tanisha. I love the postcards that you do. They're really cute and, oh. really, and really reflective. So it's really cool that you are like pulling all of that together, um, the things that you're going through. Um, yeah. In your, in your brand of your photography and your writing. So it's, it's really dope to be able to like share that, what the inside of that looks like. I know you're laughing, but like, clearly you were like crying and like, girl, <laughs> listen, yesterday, I thought I was gonna have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Seriously. I was like talking to one of my friends and she was like, what's going on? And I was just like, <laughs> you know, we was like, when you start to peel away, cause they have this philosophy about peeling away the onion and the onion, you know, how you have the layers and the layers like represent these stories that we have about ourselves, these stories that people have told us about themselves, these cultural stories, these ethnic stories, these uh, societal studies, all this shit, you know, that keeps us because the ancient philosophy is that we are an expression of the divine. And what our job is, our purpose is on this planet is to strip away all the things that are not essential that keeps you from expressing uh, yourself as a divine being. And so you start peeling away and it starts to freak you out because you're like, what's, 
what will be left once I peel everything away because we're so attached to our stories. You know, we're very, and I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories, but we get so attached to those narratives <clears throat> that when we start to strip them away, there's this fear. And I know me, I've, I've been going through this fear and I'm talking to people here, they have the same fear of like, when you strip everything away, then what, what will be there? So I was having one of those moments yesterday when I started to realize that like there's a lot more stuff there that I I was not aware of and I was like just just crying and I and then it was upsetting because again like I said I'm a storyteller I like words and I had no words for how I was feeling people were like how are you feeling and or what's going on and I couldn't I couldn't tell them because I had no language for it all I could do was just cry <laughs> so, so <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, can you explain, like, what happens with traditional tantric um, uh, studies? Yes. <laughs> okay, so it's very interesting, because uh, this is, so the, what I'm saying, like, this this whole, like, strip away, right? It's actually, actually quite a subtle experience, um, because so there's certain things that they do, or that you're doing that starts to kind of break you open. So one of them is the asana practice, right? So I am uh, doing yoga five days, uh, six days a week, five and a half hours a day. Okay, so we're starting there. And there's certain huh? like, yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> I've lost about 25 pounds since coming here. Um, <laughs> So five and a half hours a day. Now, once you get like after month two or three, you actually just drop because there's two classes. So then you can't sustain the five and a half hours. The five and a half hours is kind of set for people who come to do like a 200 hour teacher certification. But since I was here um, for six months, um, I could drop it down to like one class a day. So either I'll do the morning class, which is two and a half hours or the evening class, which is three hours, three hours straight of yoga. And um, so there's something about yoga that kind of, you know, we tend to be intellectuals in a way. And so a lot of times with me in particular, a lot of times I spend a lot of time in my head. And so coming here and doing the yoga practice every single day uh, put me in a position where I'm, I'm having to be in touch with my body. And a lot of trauma is stored in our bodies. And so the doing the yoga helps kind of like, uh, get to the root of the traumas to pull them out and the root of some of our unconscious stuff to pull it out. So we're doing the, um, the, the asana practice, which we would call yoga in the West. So that starts the process. And then we do this thing called pranayamas and bandhas, which is like these breathing um, techniques you do to kind of move the energy flow uh, through your body, because, you know, um, the way the, Ved the Vedics saw it or the Tantric saw it is that we're first and foremost energy. When you're blocks of uh, energy blocks in your body, then that's why you get sickness. That's why you get illnesses, et cetera, like that. So the, the pranayamas, which are the breasts and the bandhas, which are certain things that we do, uh, gets the energy to flow. Uh, then we do this thing called the walking massage, which is the, it's an Ayurvedic walking massage where you massage in all the meridians in your body. And so all of these things, plus the lectures, uh, which is um, ancient information, stuff that we hear in like the New Age movement, but with the spiritual aspect to it. So you're getting that all of that is going into your entire system for months. 
And it's like, it, you know, so things start to just kind of bubble up to the surface. And then you either run from it, which is what I did the first two months, <laughs> or you face it, which I've been doing for the last four months. Um, and sometimes the facing it can be the, the hardest part because, you, you, you know, we are taught to kind of judge what we see versus allowing what we see, acknowledging it, and then work at letting go of it. So asanas, pranayama, mm-hmm. walking massage, the lectures. Mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. a total system overhaul, it sounds like. It is, it is. And that's, that's exactly how they put it. They call it reformatting your, your software. You um, had told me about, is it called a uh, puja? Yes. Talk to me yes, about that. Talk to me about that. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so the puja is also a part of the whole processing too. What I love about the puja, it's so amazing because um, every month we get, because I've been here in six months, so every month we get a new batch of people. And every month we do the puja, there's uh, so a woman asks the same question. So the puja is set up for um, where the woman basically becomes the embodiment of the goddess. And uh, doing the puja, the man, the man is offering her, uh, giving her offerings in, in uh, reverence or, or honoring of the goddess that she is. And so the way that the puja is, it's like an ancient practice that um, cultures within a woman this identity of being a goddess. And the way that they say it is, because we don't give offerings to the man, they say when the woman identifies with being divine and a goddess and she begins to build her self-esteem around this or her identity around this and that giving or receiving that identity or that worship or that offering in turns builds the man up to understand that he too is a god or a divine being but women first though <laughs> women first <laughs> women first they are real big on this in the tantric world like you know they like the goddess is a real thing you know so yeah it was very interesting it's a very interesting because i you know especially um in like america in particular women are kind of programmed to constantly give and that's where their worth is right and so it's really uncomfortable in the beginning when you're doing a puja to just sit there and receive you do absolutely nothing but sit there and receive these offerings uh yeah, that sounds divine. Very divine. <laughs> it's a really beautiful experience. It really is. And the other thing about it too, they do mantras. So they the tantrics believe in what this is called a mantra science. And so it's like um the, the Sanskrit itself, um, the letters you know, have a certain sort of energy to them. And the mantras when you're saying them over and over again also helps reformat your programming. So that's also why we do the pujas. So how has your time at the shram, as you call it, <laughs> how has yes. um, your experience and your time there impacted your tarot reading? Actually, here's what's funny. I, okay, so um, being here, um, because the, the, one of the things, like I say, you get down to is the, you strip away the unessentials and I was doing tarot reading because I love doing them, but then I started seeing this pattern in the readings that I would do. So now I actually don't actually do them anymore unless I'm doing it for someone that I know 
who understands that I'm not telling them their future. Because oh. a lot of people that I would do readings for, like they would take the reading and like build their, create a life around the reading. Mm. Even though I would tell them from the jump, this is not, this is not for you to create your life around. The purpose of the tarot reading is to give you insight into the energies that are, that are available to you for you to make better choices going forward in your life. And instead of them hearing that, they were like, this is what's going to happen. And that's how they took it. And so I didn't want to be responsible uh, for influencing other people, uh, uh, influencing other people's choices in that manner, because if it doesn't work that work out, then they're not going to take responsibility for things not work out. I will be the person that got blamed for it. So I do do the readings, but I'm very, very selective, I should say, about who I get readings for. <laughs> but it's allowed me to also, instead of um, being here to you, you understand, or I, at least I'm beginning to understand that I already have the answers. And so when I do a reading, I'm not giving answers to the person. I'm just explaining to them what the cards mean and allow them to inform themselves of the answers that they seek, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, instead of telling them, so to speak. So that is very interesting. Where did you learn about tarot? Has it, had it been something you'd, be, you'd always been interested in? So I, I got my first tarot reading when I was 32 years old, you know, and I grew up in a real Christian family in Texas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the devil. So it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'll stay away from them people. And then I turned 32. It was a couple of years after my grandmother died and I was living in Houston doing my master's. And there was a psychic who had a, a office right next door to my apartment building. And so I was like, you know what? It's my 32nd birthday. I'm going to go in. And she was the first person to tell me, you know, why are you, she, she said to me, she said, why are you suppressing your gifts? Is what she said to me. And I just looked at her like, girl, are you crazy? So I just kept it moving. And then a few years later, I had um, a person, <laughs> there was a, a young lady named April who was a friend of mine. Uh, we're not, we're no longer in contact, but um, she was an astrologer, still is an astrologer, I want to say. And when she was reading my chart, she looked the way when she looked at my chart, she was like, Tanisha, why aren't you, uh, you should be doing tarot, you know, cause my chart is set up where I'm, I, the, you know, one of my dharmic paths, I guess is, um, to do like, um, occult things, you know, and occult just mean hidden things, things that are mysteries that we have lost over time because of whatever cultural, whatever. And so she was like, you know, you should be doing tarot. But when I picked up the tarot cards, I couldn't, I didn't resonate with the images. And so I was just like, nah, it took me about two years. And, um, and I went to New York and this buddy of mine came over to visit me and she did a reading using um, like angel cards. And that was the first time I actually connected um, to cards. And I was like, oh, this is what she meant. And so I started to read, but I wasn't using like the actual tarot. I was using like angel cards. I was using like all these other different types of cards. And then I found a deck um, that I fell in love with that was a tarot deck. 
um, I can't think of the name of it right now. I'll have to tell you later. But it one, it had images of people of different races all yes. over it. Yes. And, um, and I really love that about it, but also the images, because when I'm doing tarot, I'm actually not reading tarot, I'm actually channeling. So the images are telling me a story. And so the images just popped up off the, the cards. And I was like, oh my God. And I started reading with those. That was like two years ago, year and a half ago. And I just never looked back. And then I, and I had, before I moved to Thailand, I had over 30 decks. <laughs> <laughs> Not three zero. <laughs> no, yes, thirty. Okay, thirty decks. So Why you, do I need you that went many from decks? Zero to a hundred in about. <laughs> exactly, and I was really good at it. I really loved doing it. I, you know, again, it's the same thing with the photography and the makeup and the styling and whatever I was doing. It's it, for me. What I didn't realize at that time was I was setting the path for me now on the journey that I am on for myself of stripping away the non-essential stuff. And so for me, the tarot was another gateway for me to help others to see themselves in a different way. That is so, so wonderful. I, mm. I, I have never like tried to do tarot or, or whatever, but I follow some folks and I too noticed that a lot of the decks were white, white, super white. Even the angel cards yes. white, white, super white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, There's not a lot of diversity. Right. I even came across this deck and it was gorgeous, but it was this white girl from Germany that like got some Haitian art. Uh, I think it was Haitian artists to, to do the deck for her. So it was like from the Haitian culture. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're right. I was like, mm, I'll pass. Wow. But I know, but I know a lot of tarotpreneurs <laughs> were coming. Yeah. <laughs> really beautiful decks you know just trying yep. to get the support to be able to produce them yeah there's a there's a deck that i use um called um the afro goddess deck um by a lady i want to say her name is alex uh, andrea andrea Fachuk or something like that out of south carolina she drew all the artwork they are some stunning Card. So I go between that deck and the other deck that I was uh, telling you about. I need to look up the name of that deck because it's driving me crazy because I can't remember right now. Um, and I go between those decks um, because, again, I, you know, I want to show diversity in, 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 the, in the reading um, in a way, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great deck because she created those cards. She painted she hand painted uh, every card on an 18 by 20 uh, canvas and then sent everything off, had them shrunk down and then printed on this beautiful card stock. And on the back, it's like um, a drawing of Africa or something like that. That sounds so fire. Yes, please do. Mm -hmm. um, I will. So back to your ashram experience a little bit. So <laughs> you talked about... You and I talked a little bit about being alone while you're going through mm. transformation. And it could have just yeah. been the space that you were in at the time that we were talking, but like, what are your thoughts on that? You mean like um, not being in a couple? Girl, look, I can't remember. Not being in a couple or like being kind of in the space alone. Because I, I, if it's the latter, I do believe when you are going through a transformation of any sort, it's kind of like birth and death. Mm -hmm. 
and no one ever is born with someone else, even twins. One comes first and then the next one. <laughs> no one dies with another person. Mm. Uh, you know, even if they die in the same car together, they're not going through the, the same experience, right? So um, when you're going through transformation, I've even seen couples who came here. There was a couple here. They were here for six months together. And they, were, they had two separate journeys. They were here together, but they were going through their, their process alone. And so... Uh, for me, I'm definitely going through this process alone. Um, and at times I can talk to people about it. Um, but again, that's kind of difficult because, you know, you can't, it's, you, it's really difficult to put words to the experience. And I start to realize this over the last couple of days. In fact, I don't even want, and I'm a very loquacious person. Like I'm talking all day, every day. I'm just la 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 like my word. <laughs> Spelling beach champ. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> such a nerd. Um, it's um, the <laughs> language tends to limit the experience. So language tends to limit what your experience because uh, it's too precise, you know. And so for me, I've just finally gotten to the place where, you know. Uh, while I'm in the middle of the whatever I'm I'm going through, I'll just go through it. And then later, if I have words for it, then I'll explain. But I know that the words can't capture all of it. Right. So, you know, the, yeah, doing it alone. Um, it's sometimes it's, it's, you know, physically alone. Sometimes it's sad, you know, because sometimes you kind of want to roll over next to somebody and be like, man, what you going through today? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think sometimes that could be a distraction. So a, a distraction from your, your actual experience. So it's like, okay, so I have a couple of thoughts about that. Yes, I do believe that we go through these singular experiences, mm-hmm. like the filters that we build up over time. Even if you strip some of those filters off, no one is going to experience things like you. Mm-hmm. laughter is a really good example of that sometimes people laugh at the same thing but they have different reasons for laughing right it could have been the way the comedian said it could have been a personal experience that resonated with them it, it could be a number of things but like mm-hmm. people relate to things differently because of our different mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. but in that there's something also about going through something collectively like they talk about that when it comes to troops at war not that i support war whatsoever but when they come back home they talk about how lonely it is and they miss the crew even though Mm -hmm. it was more than likely like super deplorable right circumstances there's something about the bond i guess of trauma essentially But it doesn't, it doesn't, with war, yes, trauma, but like, it doesn't necessarily have to be trauma. Sometimes I I think it's just day-to-day life. If you're able to, to bond and relate and connect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And And we do that here. You bond with people here. Yes. But they still don't understand your experience. Right, 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 right. So, but like, do they need to? That's the question. It's like. No. 
that's yeah, the beauty. That that's that's my thing. So it's like, no, no one is is in your your skin experiencing things exactly the same way that you do. But they don't need to. But it's really mm-hmm. helpful to be able to like chop it up with people who yeah. are also alive. <laughs> like if, yes. they're, if they're really living. First of all, I'm talking to my dead ancestors. No, I'm just... Hello. <laughs> Can y'all come back? Because yeah no it's it is it's really but and so again like so uh, another another thing that you you kind of get to experience here is what is true intimacy Mm. right Mm -hmm. and because we've been conditioned to believe intimacy is as one thing Mm -hmm. usually romantic uh, but yeah it's usually romantic or people do you know ceremonies or whatever to kind of um, connect or replay these games to connect or or my favorite because you know like uh, we have this saying in America where we say like uh, intimacy is into me you see no that's not what intimacy is no they say this in the the the, the transformational ring because I was doing transformational workshops oh okay okay and so, uh, intimacy you see is what intimacy is. No, it actually, <laughs> the one thing I've learned here is that hell, that is not. No, intimacy is when you come into an exchange with someone else as your true, authentic self, and oh. you have an exchange with another person showing up as a true, authentic self. Because what we've been conditioned to do, and here's the other part bottom drop we have been conditioned to create personalities or characters. And those are our emissaries that we send out to the world. And so usually when we're interacting with other people, it's our persona interacting with another persona. And so we hide behind, it's like a mask. So persona equals a mask. And so true intimacy is when you strip all that away. And so for me, I used to try to connect with people up until like yesterday with... (laughs) (laughs) Uh. <laughs> no, Girl, I was having shit just drop all on my head yesterday. I was like, hey, hey, hey. Um, <laughs> I, I would always try to connect with people through conversation. Mm-hmm. I was super chatty, you know, like, la, 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 You know what? That is talk. exactly what you sound like. Thank you for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super tatty, you know, like because I didn't know how else to connect. And what you, what I understand now is that was uh, that was another game that I was playing to create intimacy. But true intimacy, you don't even need any. I have a girlfriend; we could be in the same room with each other for hours and not have a conversation. And we've enjoyed each other's company. Didn't, didn't say much to each other. Like, girl, that's true right, intimacy. I'm out of here. I had such a good time. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> true in, it's true intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you, it's like you, you allow each other to just be in the space. And so that's something that I'm still processing through. Mm-hmm, you know, um, yeah, I forgot what the question was. It was really a question. <laughs> we were just we were just talking. 
Um, okay. I was talking about being alone while you're going through what you're going through. And oh, yeah. we started yeah. talking about how people have different perspectives about things, regardless mm-hmm. of going through the same situation or what have you. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is everyone that shows up end up being some sort of a mirror to you. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing, too. So, yeah, you're alone, but you're it's I don't know how to explain that you know what I mean like you're in that process of whatever it is you're processing through alone but there are people here going through their own process that you do connect to like you said to a breathing human being right yeah well like alive when a lot of people are breathing but they're not necessarily alive this is true they're not living at all the the concept is not that really difficult to understand because we do that in our day-to-day lives anyway like if you are if you were in wherever you were becoming who you are becoming you were also bumping into people who may have been trying to do the same thing so you yes we're still going we're like at an ashram or in your everyday life you're still going through a lot of the things that everyone goes through in a in a common place but you experience it also differently just because you're different people you have different you're right. to learn at different times and blah 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 mm-hmm. 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 I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about language too because you said something really interesting you said that words are too specific um, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting because I think that's what drew me to language Trying to figure out how to communicate the things I was experiencing because I felt that the people around me had not made that effort. They didn't tell. I have nine brothers and sisters. <laughs> they're wow. All, they're all. <laughs> wow. Okay. They're Where are you from again? What do you like to know? <laughs> Who's interviewing big who here? <laughs> who, who's just interviewing them. Um, but I was just like, okay, so you just <laughs> literally, you just literally sent me out here with nothing. You didn't prepare me. You tell you didn't tell me nothing. And they're like, peons mm. older than me. Mm. And so I think mm. that's why language became really important to me. That's why I try to talk to my nieces and nephews because mm-hmm. it was it it it's what we have. No, it's not always mm-hmm. necessary. I love the intimacy of being close to people, but sometimes like in order to process our trauma, if you're not at an ashram and if capitalism has you too busy trying to keep a roof over your head, yes, having yeah. something to be able to get the stuff out of you so that you could quote unquote exercise the demons or what have you. <laughs> to get but you those... said exercise the demons, not speak out the demons. <laughs> I'm like, isn't 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 it an exercise? Is that not an exercise? Journaling. No, it is yes, journaling is an exercise. Okay, so with language okay, and so. Uh, so let me let me clear what I'm saying up. Let you oh, no, no 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 I'm uh, and okay. whatever I'm saying is not like oh well i'm counterpointing that's not no no i get it okay okay. (laughs) yeah yeah i get no because i sometimes you know how again this is what i mean by being precise right uh 
and I have not, I, I apologize because I have not been able to be precise for the past week because language is very important to me. Honey. I've been writing since I was a kid. You know what when I mean? I like tell you writing. Our exchanges <laughs> <laughs> where you're like, okay, but you didn't. And I'm like, okay, but I did though. <laughs> okay, but what time? Okay, but can you? T- so, yes. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with the emails. <laughs> <laughs> and I have I have been such a mess and I say oh my god one day's gonna kill me because I've been like I've been so like I feel like completely like you know I don't know where the hell I am at this point you know uh and it's just been the last like couple of weeks mm-hmm. but yeah so um language mm-hmm. there is a way to use language that doesn't box you in so, for example, what I mean by language can be too precise, where it creates a, 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 a as, as my friend uh, Melania said, a shoebox for you. For example, labels. Uh, we use labels to create identities. But once you identify with, you become that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you can use language to describe an experience and without having an attachment to the words that you're writing. You know, so I can, like, I talk about, like, I, you know, when I'm posting the little postcards or whatever, and I write about my experience, right? And it's just a way for me to write about um, what I'm learning or what I'm going through or uh, the process that I'm going through. But once I write it out, I move forward. So I don't get, you know, stuck in into the pages of the words, so, so to re- speak. It's a release if if I Yeah. Can. Yeah, yeah. Because the attachment, that's that's the issue. It's not the experiences, it's not the trauma, it's not mm-hmm. the joy. Mm-hmm. It's your attachment mm-hmm. and identifying mm-hmm. with those things. Yes. Yes, exactly. You better teach on. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, though. Because we do, we get really attached. You know, we get really, really attached to, and so like, even when you were talking about collectives, right? Um, when I was younger, I got teased pretty a lot because I did not identify with collectives, right? Um, I was a dark-skinned African-American girl in Houston, Texas, uh and you know the black kid said i was too white white kid said i was too black and and frankly i didn't care <laughs> cuz i didn't identify with any of the groups and then as i got older i felt a need to belong so we have this human experience mm-hmm. of needing to belong mm-hmm. and so uh when i moved to oakland california I surrounded myself with these amazing Black people to be a part of the Black community, right? But then when I started to realize over time is uh, when you are a part of a group, you have to think like the group. Mm. And so that's what, that's what those kids were saying to me when I was younger. You don't think like us. You don't behave like us. Therefore, you're not us. And I didn't understand that then. I understand it now after going through this process, what was happening as a kid and then what brought me to where I was before I got here. But it's separate. Like labels, in my opinion, separate us. I should, I would love to tell you about the experience of me being a Mormon and a Jew and all that stuff. But that's... (laughs) Man, 
that's the third time you said we're gonna have to talk about that later in just this little bit of conversation and like are you taking notes because i haven't been writing down all these caveat conversations because yeah, uh, we want the most <laughs> i have something really rich and delicious to tell you about i'm probably gonna forget it but just know that it exists <laughs> Because I was really, you know, like I've gone through all these, you know, like um, when I was 13, my mom became a Mormon. So for three years of my life, I was a Mormon. And, you know, again, and I was a Mormon up until they told me the reason why I was black was because I was cursed. And I was like, fuck you, I'm out. <laughs> when I was 16, I was like, oh, okay. So those who were born with black skin were lazy because they didn't fight on the side of Team Jesus. Therefore, you were born with black skin. Oh, what? So I was like. I'm out. So, then, oh, so maybe the black Israelites were a direct counter to that. Maybe that's girl, what. listen. No, I, I don't know. Okay. And then I be then my mom and I became like super Christian. I went to Bible college. I have like an associate's degree in pastoral studies, but you know, you know, Bible college was a mess because again, I I didn't fully think like them. <laughs> Like I like you know there was I was like I had questions and when I asked questions and I was being rebellious or gullible or whatever the label they put on me at the time right and so when I left Bible college I was like I, I said to God I said listen if I gotta be a Christian man then I can't believe in you because this is a mess <laughs> I can't do this and so <laughs> this is a real full conversation conversations so with I God up next oh, conversations <laughs> with God. <I> <laughs> And so I started, I, I was like, okay, maybe I'm missing something. So isn't Christianity based on Judaism? So I started researching Judaism and understand Jesus from, you know, the Jewish perspective. And I fell in love with Judaism. And so I went through a full on Orthodox conversion in 2007. And do you like me up next with Tanisha? Yeah, Julie. <laughs> My crazy ass life. My life is insane. So I was a Jew for many, many years. But then this this whole narrative came up again where, you know, because what ended up happening in that situation was when I started to understand what was really going on in the state of Israel, I had a hard time accepting it. Mm. And then on top of that, because of my Black body that if I go by what I'm being taught here, I chose, Right. Mm. before coming here, this is how I wanted to express it this lifetime, et cetera, et cetera. I'm carrying the trauma of generations of, uh, of uh, violence <clears throat> against my ancestors in my body. And the Jews are also carrying a lot of traumas too. And so uh, the, the, the day that I started listening to Jewish people talking about their traumas and I started to get anxiety, I realized, oh, snap, I can't, I can't carry the, the trauma that I already inherited and then take on some, another group's trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I, I ended up, after seven years, uh, you know, stepped away. But it was also the other thing that was missing for me was there was no focus on the feminine. I mean, how, are, how is it that we have the masculine and the feminine been expressed as a you know, the way we see it is polarized, but they're not, they're one and the same, but they're expressed differently on this planet. And there's no, wh where is she in the Bible? Where, where does, it doesn't, it, it doesn't exist here. And that led me to begin to study uh, goddess cultures, which 
eventually led me to Tantra. That is deep. That is very <laughs> deep. <laughs> I know you were not expecting any of this. You might have to cut something out. No, ma'am. You sign up for this. You break it, you buy it. <laughs> no, but that is deep. Seven years. And you was like, yeah. Oh, no. No. Mm-mm. and i was and i had an amazing experience going through that process Mm -hmm. because i I read stories about a lot of african-american women who try to do conversions and how they were treated by the jewish community i had none i actually had three sephardic rabbis sephardic jews which are like the north african middle eastern jews don't do conversions Okay. They don't do conver- they don't do conversions. They if you ain't born Jewish, you can't be with us. Oh, <laughs> you know. Okay. But I had three of them around the country wanting to do my conversion. Oh. Three. I just did not have that experience. I was fully accepted. Oh, that's dope. That's nice. Yeah. That's so it wasn't because of mistreatment or anything. It was just, you know, politically speaking, and then you know, my soul again, see, and I, I started to realize my soul doesn't like a box. That, okay, so. <laughs> so you said that you, you wanted a sense of belonging and so you started with the black community and then you started, and, but your mother had started you with religion. So mm-hmm. exploring different communities to see if you can exist as yourself somewhere without being claustrophobic right yeah 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 and so the cool thing about where i am now there's no such thing as there's no concept of community Mm, okay so i be me you be you you express how you express you express how you express we're here as individuals expressing and walk on me yes (laughs) and you know and you know i don't like feet but I love feet now, no, six I months later. <laughs> no. Well, that's because we know that some people have a hard okay. time washing legs and okay. feet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you walk don't take care of them. Asia anywhere where it's sandal season <laughs> all season. Right. <laughs> feet gonna be funky and dirty. But here we are very respectful. We wash our feet before we do the walking. <laughs> you're like, uh, and you're like, supervisor, okay, time to change the water. Thank you. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Please wash your filthy feet. <laughs> so what so I wonder where your sense of not that it's abnormal, it's completely normal to want to belong but I wonder since you don't care about what people think of you but people seem to think that if you don't believe the same things they believe that you're not them Mm. how and where your sense of belonging wanting that came from that sense of because I've never felt like I belonged anywhere Mm. But you never wanted so, to, not until like no, it w- 10 years or something. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, and it wasn't, uh, it w- I think, to be fair, I really think I was, because, you know, we, um, so fear is a software, right, that we all inherit from people. 
Girl, and does I Microsoft sell it or Apple? Because they could take it. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm like, can I just give this back, please? Right. Um, no money needed back. Have... You can just. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, I think to be, I think, I actually think if, because um, you were saying like with your family, they sent you out there with no blueprint, <laughs> You know, and I find that in a lot of cultures today, we don't prepare, we don't prepare our children to exist in the world, right? Um, and Hi. that's one of the- Why do you know, keep we, making babies? That's what I said too. I've been saying that for quite some time, but they don't know any different. And they don't- Again, because- But they do, because- uh, I, I, They I, don't. Anisha, I find it hard to believe that no, Other people are not just as enraged and confused and <laughs> I am in despair often, often in despair. The suicide rate is really high. Like we are. Yeah. But again, brink, if, on like the I brink said, of hopelessness, okay. hopelessness, right? If we go back to what I said before, we, we are all conditioned to live out a life that other people had create for us. Right. So a lot of times, most people, and I think I wrote this today, most people are living their, their mother's lives or daddy's lives or grandparents' lives or their great grandparents' lives or great great grandfather's lives. You know, they're not living their life. And so I think a lot of people, because another thing that pissed people off about me was I, I decided at 21 I didn't want to have children. So I decided at 21 I don't want no damn kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not, not that I up. hate kids. I know. It's, I, not, it's not that I hate kids. It wasn't for me. Like, it's not for me. So I got called everything under the, the kitchen sink. You know, you're selfish. You're this, 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 this. But I saw other people raising children. And I saw, one, how stressful they were. Um, how difficult it was. If one parent decided that they were just going to bounce, you screwed. Because now you're, you know. And I was a single parent child, so I know, like my mom, she was having a bad day. Guess who got it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> for me, I made the choice. I made a conscious choice at 21 years old that I did not want to parent or co-parent a child. And so, but that takes a very conscious thought. At that time, I, it was made out of fear, but it was a right choice. Because at that time, I did not want to repeat what my mom did, what my grandma did, what my great-great-grandma I didn't want to repeat their life by having children that I couldn't afford or that I couldn't emotionally take care of. Most people don't think this way. Most people are like, it's, most people are like, it's down there for a reason, right? So let me just, you know, like, like some of the people, some of the things people say, why they want to have kids, I'd be looking at them like, Really? I want something that looks like me. Really? That's why you're having a kid? The mini-me syndrome? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mini-me syndrome. You know, and a lot of people... Why, girl? You not that cute. No, I'm joking. Right, exactly, girl. <laughs> Listen, but the, a lot of people don't think of... They don't think these things through. They're just acting from a pattern that, that they created for themselves. And so there, there's no forethought. And so that's the one thing I do like about this sort of learning that I'm learning here with the, the ancient tantric system, uh, the traditional tantric system, 
is that they culture their children from a very young age um, to identify with their divine self. And so it creates a strong and sturdy self-esteem and centeredness within themselves so they are not looking externally for a validation. Um, hello. Yes. So when you're wanting to belong. And, and it works. You, yeah, it, it works extremely well. Because when you want to belong, and this is something that I had to acknowledge to myself, mm-hmm. I wanted to be validated. Mm. I wanted my existence to be validated. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't have a, a, a strong core because it wasn't um, cultured within me at a young age because my mama didn't have it. So she couldn't right. do that for me. Right. So this is where the, this is unfortunately where the ball drops. So most of us, especially in the West, by the time we're in our thirties, we we're having to like deconstruct a lot of crap. Yeah. You know, because we don't have this uh, tradition to create this, this strong actual and we say in america we believe in individualization but that's not true we 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 do groups i'm as strong as my group that's america's way of thinking so there's no actual individuals and when people become individuals they do extremely extraordinary things but somehow we have to find (laughs) say say that again say that again (laughs) when people are acting from a place of an individual they do extremely extraordinary things I like that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having to clear out all the junk. I'm still like, I leave the next week, but I'll still be going through this process. Well, yeah. So you said you wanted to, so you're leaving next week, but you want to go back and continue to study at the ashram. Is that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to come back next year for another six months. And in the meantime, um, I'll, I'll share some, like I'll do uh, like eight day retreats around the world. I want to do like international retreats um, oh, for women. Them. Yes. 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 Hosting yes. international retreats for women. And, uh, and I'll, I'll share with them because I don't like the word teach because I'm still learning. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean like I'm still learning. I know what I'm doing, but it's, it's, um, no, I'm still in my process. And so yes. I'm not the answer. You get what I mean? So it's like, Absolutely. I'm going to be sharing what we've learned a lot of stuff outside of the puja because that I'm, I'm going to have to come back for a while for that. That's something that I have to study Sanskrit for, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but all the like lectures, um, the, um, the practices like the yoga, the pranayamas. So I'll be sharing that with people because the, especially with the breath work, I mean, that that's scientifically proven um, that when you reset someone's breathing, uh, cause a lot of trauma, uh, your breathing is affected by trauma, right? And so when you reset someone's breathing, a lot of, a lot of the trauma that they have in their body gets released as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it'd be really dope, um, you know, to do these retreats. Um, that, that would be like for my money making. But I want to also share this. Um, I would love to go to places where uh, girls and women have to deal with like war and all this stuff. Like I'm thinking, uh, someone was telling me Zambia has the highest population of refugees I'm thinking about the girls who got kidnapped by Boko Haram. Mm-hmm. And I would love to just share this practice with them to help them reset because they went through some traumatic stuff, you know? And so if it's helping me, I came here with a 20 year back injury from when I was in the military and I 
did physical therapy. I did everything to try to heal my back. And 30 days here, I haven't had a back problem. Hello. And so I know it works. So it's kind of like, you know, sharing this stuff. And so I'm going to find out ways that one, I can share it where I can live and then also find other avenues of sharing it with other people, uh, not to rescue them or save them, but to share something that may be valuable for their life later or now for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful practice. (laughs) But you had, you had mentioned to me that you can't be a coach or um, host these retreats without integrity. You said being honest, truthful, and authentic have been the hardest and scariest things you've had to do in this life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so there. <laughs> Girl, I'm so there. You pull it together like, I'm just for like, three minutes, I, ma'am. You know, like, I, like I, <laughs> I'm just having this, again, like me crying this week was me having to be authentic because me, I'm one of them people, I'm like, I will not cry. You will not see me cry, but I will not. <laughs> but with, on the inside, I'm like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, this place will, <laughs> in its own way, will put you in a space where you can't help but be authentic. And being authentic is just being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know what my limitations are. So me running a retreat would be like, I know what my limitations are. I know what I do know and what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then sharing what I do know and finding someone else to come in and teach what I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I'll be able to share. So yeah, integrity is a big, a big, big deal for me. Um, and if I, at, if I don't feel ready, because I'm shooting for next year, because I'm going to be studying some, even though I'm leaving, um, they, there's a book list that the, the Bhagawan here, which is like a guru, has basically given me that I'll be reading and studying and then going over my notes for my lectures and, and practicing continuously every day, my asanas and my, my um, breathing. And so they give you the, the ability to leave here and go and share. So I'm going to do that. Now, if I feel like I'm not ready, then I won't do it. I'll find other ways to do it, whether it's like small little seminars or workshop, which I am going to do a workshop in Vietnam on the alignment massage. Not the walking massage, but the alignment massage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. What is, what's your relationship like with your mother? You talked about your <sighs> passing away, but what's, what's it like with her? My mom and I have a very strained relationship. Um, I just started, I had, I, for a full year. I just started talking to her again in June. It was her birthday. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, we, it's, it's very difficult because it's like, I'm going through this journey, but it doesn't make me better than her or different or I know more. I, none of things exist in this concept. Um, however, um, she's been through a lot. And she is, she hasn't tried to work towards resolving her traumas. And so what ends up happening is a lot of her trauma spill over onto me mm-hmm. and I can only carry so much. And so I've had to step back 
for my own pres- preservation um, as far as our relationship goes. And so I, you know, I, I talked to her a little bit, but I don't completely full in. Like I keep a kind of safe distance. Um, and I do hope someday that some somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But I do, I am a true believer. Uh, you know, I know people say blood is thicker than water. I don't got time for that. <laughs> I don't have time for that. If, if, if the people in your family are toxic, you don't have to put up with it because they're family. So, you know, um, and she's not a toxic person. She's just been through a lot of things that it's caused a lot of trauma for her that she is trying to figure out how to navigate or she hasn't tried to figure out how to navigate. Right. Um, kind of stubborn about it. And so for me, I've had to, you know, pump the brakes and be like, I love you. I really do. And I want the best for you. But in the meantime, I have to do what's best for me. Was that hard for you to do? Girl, it took me five years. Mm. Five years to do it. It was a very difficult choice. It was very difficult. Um, and she blew up my phone. She blew up my phone for like three days. She had my family members call me. I mean, it was crazy madness. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, what? I, I said, this is what I'm talking about. You know, so, you know, like not giving me the space to... You know, I grew up in a, a, a space. This is why I was saying, like, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged to her. I didn't, you know, it was like I didn't, I didn't grow where I was allowed to to uh, to express myself, yes, or to be myself. You know, I, I w- that environment was not created for me, and so, uh, you know, my whole life had been trial and error, trying to figure out who the hell I am. You know, like I came here with that question, who am I? You know, I'm leaving with, I know who I am not. <laughs> Sometimes that's what, where it is though. It's like, okay, this don't work, this don't work, this don't work, this don't work, oh, this don't work, this don't work. <laughs> Why am I trying that again? Yeah. I, already, I already marked it off the list. Can I move exactly. on? It'd be like, this ain't me. Nope, that's not. And it's so bizarre because I was, I was saying this too, like, when you go, we we call this process the charting the charting process, where you're stripping away the the layers of the onion. We use the word onion, you know. You can call it other things, you know. Stripping away your personas, your masks, whatever. Um, but uh, whatever, because you know, I, I try not to use like I try not to use like uh, language that I I don't want to assume that people understand what I'm saying. So, um, but you, what happens is it's like you start to there's this part of yourself I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're doing something and it's almost like you are you are observing yourself doing the thing have you ever had that experience uh, I'm doing something. you know what I'm talking about I'm doing something and I'm observing myself doing it yeah so you're doing something that's actually out out of your nature but yes, you're doing absolutely. it because you've been programmed. You get what I'm talking about, but, but you're not, doing it because it's not necessarily program. It's maybe like at the time I didn't know what else to do. And that seemed like right. what I, it seemed what I like what I needed to do. It's right. Like or fight or flight kind of thing for me. Exactly. Or you're, you're, you're behaving from a place of like the role that you're playing in that moment. Right. Because we all have these characters. We all have these person, these personas, right? And so you're doing something 
that's not actually true to your core essence, mm-hmm. but you may have been doing it for a very long time. You picked it up somewhere and it was something that you've done, but it's not actually true to your core nature. And then when you start going through this process, you have a moment. And I think Gary Zukov talks about this with, uh, with uh, Oprah Winfrey. It's kind of like, you're not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're the, the thing observing the thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing they're talking about, just using a different language, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've had moments here well, I'll be doing something whether it's like being super loud because I'm feeling uncomfortable as hell or whatever. And it's almost like the real me is sitting back and watching uh, a character play in a, in a play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when the autopilot not... kicks in, because you, yeah. you have time to watch because you're not actively engaged. Like, yeah. like oh, well, and you're like, what's, what's why am I doing channel? this? <laughs> why am I doing this and you don't know why you're freaking doing it you know and so that's what you need to that and so it's kind of like you start stripping away so like now I know you know that my chattiness was a way for me to try to it was like a game I was playing to connect so I'm less chatty in a group um that's only been a day we'll see how well I do tomorrow (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Man, okay. <laughs> look, I gotta keep it real. Look, I ain't okay. trying to lie to y'all. Uh, <laughs> right. Or um, being overly loud when I'm uncomfortable, or overly quiet because I do that too. I go to the extremes oh. when I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll shut down when I'm uncomfortable, or I'll over overplay when I'm uncomfortable. Um, and so now I'm just kind of like I've had several people in the last couple of days like. Are you okay? Yeah. You super mellow. What's happening? I'm actually being myself. And so I'm stripping and stripping and stripping and stripping and stripping. Because I want to get down. Yeah, I know, right, girl? On the pole. Uh, You got to sometimes slide down, leave the little street. All right. Uh, Listen, I gave it to you, but Gina had to take it and run like that, okay? (laughs) You don't know what you're going to get. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's like stripping away this stuff, you know, just cleaning it out. Just clean it out. That's what I'm doing. Just clean it out. And I don't know what I'll find. I think for the longest time I've been terrified of what I will find. Like, what's going to be there? Am I going to like this person? (laughs) Are you still? Stripping away? That's a lifetime thing. No, not stripping away. Are you still afraid of of what you're going to find? No. No, no, I'm excited. I'm really yes. excited. That's really interesting that you didn't care what people thought about you. Usually when people are like that, they have self-confidence. They they usually like themselves, but you're saying that... Girl, I didn't like myself at all. But you still didn't care what people thought about you. It's like... Mm. Well, no, so I didn't care when I was younger. As I got older, oh, okay, I became okay, obsessed okay. I became obsessed with what people thought about me. And that's why I started wanting to belong to everything. Okay. I see. I yeah. See. Yeah. I'm like, they said this about me. Before I was like, am I supposed to care what you said? You know? And what that's because say? it wasn't, the self-esteem wasn't cultured. If the self-esteem right. had been cultured, the, the way that I started off would not. And it's not that you don't care what people think. By the way, that's a lie. You do care. Just don't let it um, dictate your actions. 
we're human. I mean, I guess to some extent, I guess. To a certain extent, you know what I mean? Not like in the way of, oh my God, why are they talking? Not like that. I mean, like, you know, people say they're going to say, you know, it's what it is. But I don't allow people's uh, opinions of me dictate right. my behavior or my life. Right. Well, I, I, I should say I'm working on not letting <laughs> dictate my life. Because, you know, because you're I, I clearly coming to Penang for me because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I am. <laughs> you want me to think so well of you. Yes. Clearly. Actually, no, we're going to do some pictures. I'm going to get some pictures of you. Um, <laughs> that would be but so no, funny. I have to, I, I, I got to get some more clients so I can pay you. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl. Because, you know, sometimes I just want to just, you know, do it. Mm. Uh, you know, and I just like I, I'm very honored that you invited me to be on this podcast. So maybe yes. I could do something in return. You fabulous, you know, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my God, you brought. Go ahead. No, I brought what? No, I, I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was a fleeting thought. You know how something just <laughs> runs across your brain. And you're like, so I. What was I going to say? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Half the day. I what don't did I walk into this room for? <laughs> I guess I remember later. <laughs> All the time. Mm-hmm. Where did I put my glasses? They sitting on my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our keys right in your hand. Phone in. Mm-hmm. I put deodorant in the refrigerator before. Okay. <laughs> um. Just to let all of y'all know, the three trillions of listeners listening to this episode, um, <laughs> I met Tanisha because she is in my Facebook group, Black Women Digital Nomad Entrepreneurs. She'd actually been in it for a while. Um, I had messaged her like back in 2018, and then I messaged her again this year. I sent out messages to all of my members just to like check in on them, see you know, how they vibing. And she, Tanisha, responded like you responded with all of yourself, and that's why I was interested. Tanisha and I have never met. We're <laughs> 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 friendly, um, yeah. but we just got to know each other from that checkup message. I was like, "Hey, girl, how you doing?" She was like, "Girl, I'm fine, girl. My life is breaking apart." And I was like, "Oh, well, let's talk." <laughs> you didn't say <laughs> life is breaking apart, but she was just like. Girl, I'm at this ashram and um, it's real. And I was like, Tell me about that. It's so real. Because, so like, not, real. not everybody doesn't. Some people are like, oh, I only had one girl. And she was like, Why are you messaging me? And then, like, I was like, Oh, no. she's like, Why? I, no, it wasn't, Why are you messaging me? I think it was like, Why do you want to know? And I was like, Oh, because, like, <laughs> you're in this group and, like, I care, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like We're some people are, are more dry yes like oh she's luscious like let's let let yeah. me present her to the girls she needs <laughs> to the girls um you speaking of presenting to you to the girls and speaking of you being luscious you are the poster of all posts so your instagram is is real cute it's real businessy it's sincerely and everything i wrote down i wrote down poster of all articles and me <laughs> When I tell y'all all, please scroll through this lady's timeline. She posts, 
politics, not just American t- politics. She talks about worldwide politics. She talks mm. about black people. She talks about people who happen to not be black for whatever reason. <laughs> she talks about the environment. She shares flights, health, music, history, LGBTQ, mm. LMNOP, animals, oh, right. kids, <laughs> business, <laughs> older people, nature. And so much humor. I don't know if you've been listening to her laugh, but oh man, so much humor. So like, I couldn't even scroll back far enough. Like, I'd have to take like three days (laughs) 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 to do like proper proper research. Like, it's only like crazy though. Here, uh huh. No one didn't even know I was in this ashram until four months later. Because <laughs> uh, you was like, well, let me just keep up appearances. Because if you fell off Facebook, everybody, I'm sure everybody would be like, girl, where did you go? What are you going to do? Because your feed is like a literal lifeline of world news. It's like, now coming up with world news with Denise. <laughs> Exactly. I care about the world. <laughs> and it shows. Like the literal world. All kinds of people and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so dope. It is like thoroughly curated. Which is But you didn't scroll back did you scroll back far enough to see my obsession with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? <laughs> A little bit, I think. I just saw <laughs> Shut <one>. up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just saw one meme of Ivanka holding Prince Harry's hand while he was standing there. <laughs> this, this black princess, Miss Markle. <laughs> but I don't know if that's far enough. That's probably still no. recent. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. But I did see mm-hmm. your Princess Diana, and you said she was being shady because yes. she wore it after her husband got cheated caught. on her. With Camilla mm-hmm. Parker Bowles. Everybody know that lady name. <laughs> I know. It was like everybody talk about you want a hoe, you want a housewife instead of a hoe, but Camilla Parker Bowles came up. So, <laughs> like, she was she the so did. absolutely came up. <laughs> so dreams can come true for y'all too. Wait, That's wait, what I'm wait. To say. No, 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 but technically, technically, Princess Diana was the side chick. I mean, no, Princess Diana. No, no. She had the official no, no. marriage. Yeah, yeah, because Prince Charles was with Camilla, and his mama told him he could not marry a divorcee, and he needed to find another woman to marry. He wanted to marry Camilla. That's who he was in love with. Oh, I didn't know that. See, you put- They had been together for a while. Mm-hmm. I know all the tea. <laughs> up in rich folks' business. <laughs> But it's really interesting to me that you are so active on Facebook because you used to work for them as an analyst, correct? Uh Uh-huh. So that's what I mean. Usually when you turned off by something, which I couldn't imagine it being like Disneyland, like some people propose it to be. Especially No, it it was Disneyland. No, no, no. Okay, okay. It was. Okay, talk about it. Okay, so I actually really liked I didn't like my job. Um, because it was just boring. Okay, it's I was bored out of my head. But no, analyst, it sounds so interesting. <laughs> <sighs> okay, no, <laughs> 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 
watching videos and you'd be like, but why Jesus? You know, I lost faith in humanity. <laughs> Facebook. Yes. Oh no, <laughs> you weren't you weren't one of the folks that had to like approve content, were you? Yeah, well, not oh, approve it. I had to go through it and and rate it, and it was videos. Oh. It wasn't e- so. I was watching videos for two years of the crap, and I've seen some some stuff that people would post to Facebook, yes. and I was just like. That sounds terrible. People talk about I had like, to flat- committed suicide. Like, yes, I actually saw a murder. Yeah. Mm. I saw. Um, I saw a woman beating her baby. I had to flag all this stuff. Mm. So, I, I, I mean, thank God it didn't traumatize me because I've seen much worse. But <laughs> dang, uh, <laughs> in my life, I've seen much worse. Um, so it wasn't traumatizing to me, but it was very sad, you know? Um, and so, but yeah, Facebook as a company, fantastic to work for. Like they, they really do take care of their people. And I know we, and to be fair, I've been trying to figure out a way to, uh, get rid of my Facebook profile, but I have friends and family around the world. And that's the only way I keep touch with them. How? So, <laughs> how are you ever gonna get rid of it? How are you gonna feed the monster will, <laughs> and try know, to kill I, it? At I've the been, same time? <laughs> I, look, I've been able to. I, I went off of Facebook for like a year one time. Actually, I restarted my Facebook to get the job in Facebook. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> well, I started. I had it, but I wasn't using it that much. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my DNA cousins who got me that job. Well, she set me up with her son. Did you say? To get did me you the say job. DNA? Mm-hmm. I did the blood. Yeah. Yeah, DNA ancestry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh mm. Okay. Yeah. I'm I, not blood, spit. It was spit. Cause you ain't coming near me with a needle, but you know, which is ridiculous because I worked in the medical field for 10 years, but I don't like needles pointed at me. <laughs> I don't mind pointing them towards you. Don't point them at me. So yeah, Isn't yeah. That's a lesson was... for life. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> no, but wait, what do you mean? So you you did the DNA, Tanisha? Yeah, I did. Ma'am, I did ancestry. Ancestry dot com. I did, and I did. You found a cousin on there, and the cousin who you for the job at Facebook? Uh, yeah, we were, <laughs> we were, and it's so crazy because she's one of my Caucasian cousins, um, at, out in North. Uh, where is? No, she lives in Virginia. So you better um, get your reparations. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Use your oh. white privilege to get me a job. Cause, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, she sent me a message. I had been unemployed for over a year, and she sent me a message. And I was about to give up and just leave and go back to Korea and teach English. And <clears throat> she sent me a message. She said, "My son posted this on his wall. Would you be interested?" And I was like, "I guess." Ooh. I thought it was Google, <laughs> actually. Mind you, I thought it was Google. And I was like, I've been applying to these mofos for years and nothing. You know, I'm living in the Bay, nothing. I guess. So I sent him my resume. A month goes by. I started this transformational work, which is a continue. It was the beginning of what I'm doing now. So it started, it jump started there uh, through um, Sylvia High, uh, Aiming High Inc. and Momentum Education. And after I finished one of their programs, um, I got a response from them, sending me a message. We would like to set up an interview. What? 
did the interview. Interview went great. Got the second interview with the boss, who's from Spain. She thought I was Italian because I went to the University of Bologna. Not, <laughs> she was speaking that Italian. Yes, I speak Italian. And, uh, <clears throat> and I thought I blew that one because she asked me why I left my last job. And I was like, because I was working with uh, homeless veterans, because I'm a veteran. I was working with homeless veterans. And I was like, because I was one paycheck away from being <laughs> a client, because they wouldn't pay me no money. So, you know, you're not supposed to say that on an interview. And I was like, Apparently I know I'll do that one. I, I guess, because I got the job. I, she was like, I'll let you know something next week, a day later. Welcome to Facebook. So, that started my two-year journey as a contractor at Facebook. And so did that end amicably? Yeah, because they can only contract you out for two years and then you Um, have to take a year off and then you come back. But I'm not going to go back, obviously. I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) So, yeah, but it was it was a beautiful it was a beautiful two years, man. And I work I got to work from home. So I I work remotely. And the only time I would go into work is when I wanted to eat. (laughs) because <laughs> they got food like that at the office girl the food was we're not going to talk about the brisket because the brisket and i'm from texas i am no. snobby about my brisket I'm snobby about my be, brisket. i have no idea what you're talking about <clears throat> literally because i'm a vegetarian and i just feel oh like my God. that's meat so okay sorry yeah it's meat i'm sorry but yeah the brisket you're is amazing fine, but just don't <laughs> talk, don't act like i'm about to go in on this with you it's not like you were talking about avocados like we've talked about food okay and i was prepared to be excited with you but like i'm not i have to tell you though i'm having withdrawals being here in thailand (laughs) because i miss my avocado toast and so we (laughs) i'm like oh my god i've become a hippie from california (laughs) yeah you shut your avocado colors <laughs> Listen, avocado toast is bomb. Maybe that white side of the family reach over a little bit. <laughs> I'm joking. Look, look, I, mean, I tell people, I'll be like, that 13% gave me no ass. You're <laughs> <laughs> so silly. Oh my God, they were like, you're so stupid. I was like, whatever, dude. Like, seriously. Yeah, I, I yeah, the <laughs> DNA test was great because I have cousins in Australia now. Who I'll probably go visit. I've already met a couple of them already. I mean, they really want me to come to Australia. When I tell you, that is hilarious. <laughs> you are really on the come up with these I am on the people in your family. I had a great experience with the white cousins because you know a lot of the white people don't want to admit that slavery happened, and so they a lot of black people like I reached out to them. I'm trying to figure out who's father this side of my family, and they just won't respond. They know. I didn't have that problem. I had this other white cousin on my dad's side mm-hmm. uh, from the DNA test who was like 86 years old. She was this spunky ass white lady and she gave me all the historical tea <laughs> on that particular bloodline. Well, maybe she just knew she was on the way out. I mean, we were, <laughs> listen, we were on the phone laughing all the damn time. Like she was so hilarious. I loved her. And then <clears throat> the other thing, the other beautiful thing that came out of that is I got to connect to nine um, African cousins from nine different ethnic groups throughout Africa. Wow. So, I, listen, I've had a great time just, with yeah. my DNA. Was that just... Yeah, I was able to... That was uh, the last couple of years, yeah. So... That's sweet, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I was able to trace my family back to 1760 in America, which angered me at first because <laughs> I didn't want to be that American. Um, <laughs> I'm like, we were here before the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we, yeah, <laughs> you know, so we've been here for quite some time. Um, in fact, we were able to go even further back to 1619. So yeah. I'm related to the first 20 that came, the 20 and odd, as they call them, in 1619. Mm -hmm. We're celebrating, year. Yeah, I guess, 400 year this year. Yeah. Wow, that's really dope. So ancestry worked for you. A yes. Of, a lot of people were cautious about that because the government was going to. Oh, you break it up. Uh oh. Okay, go ahead. Say that again. Oh, sorry, you couldn't hear me. Oh, yes, I said a lot of people were cautious about the company because um, the government had gotten their hands on it. I think they mm. they have full access to that to the to data. track down murderers and rapists. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I saw an episode of SVU and like they got a hold of a, one of the women that was related to the man that did the crime and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah like i mean bioterrorism bio essentially is, is yeah right i you know it's so funny a lot of people was like but what if they clone you i was like i'm awesome they should clone me but you know we leave our dna everywhere yes literally so literally let so me, let me send it yeah i mean they also get it when you're bored i mean like <laughs> you know when your parents go and get you yeah but you know it's still out there and i was in the military so they really got my dna yeah, so what am you. i hiding from they got me <laughs> so everything mm, you know yep so i'm just like i want to know where my people come <laughs> exactly i want to know where my people come from when i got them results back i was like polynesian <laughs> Who did the horizontal? Who did the horizontal mamba with the uh -uh. showed up South South India show? Girl, I had all kinds of stuff going on in my DNA. And then when my mama did hers, I was like, <laughs> she lit up the whole map except for North Africa and the Middle East. Dang. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, we're two chocolate sisters. But yeah, I don't know. You know that you know Africa. <laughs> so yeah yeah it, it's been fun to reconnect to these people and in a way it's like I can't it's not my job necessarily to heal the the what has happened in our nation's history but the reconnect in its own way has fostered a healing in my particular line so to speak you know okay um, yes. where we kind of reconnect with some <clears throat> of um and a lot of the actual European ancestry I had was because a particular branch of my tree. There was actually two branches in my tree, but one in particular came from this extremely large plantation called the Bass Plantation in North Carolina, where free people of color were intermarrying into this family as well. They actually started off, like one of the branches actually started off as an African. And then, um, you know, cause before chattel slavery was solidified, a lot of the Africans that were brought here end up being freed 
and then they would marry like an Irish person and then they, you know, they kept marrying each other, lighting their, <laughs> the branches of their tree and then they became free people of color. They were still considered black. Some of them were just black and they were just free people that got set free or something. And then some of them owned slaves or whatever. So there was this particular group that's very famous, I guess. And so some of my white cousins that I'm related to, it wasn't because their ancestors owned my ancestors or whatever. It's because we all came from this particular group, mm. you know, and they also had sub-Saharan African in them as well. So, <laughs> but they white, you know, so I was looking at their DNA like, mm-hmm, where does eight percent come from? You know, like, <laughs> it was just weird because I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know this particular history because of course, obviously they don't teach us this um, in school. Um, and then the horrors, because I mean, I think a lot of my family went through some, I don't really know. Like when I'm doing the paper trail, it's really interesting. Every branch of my family, they would separate. They were either separated from their family or after, at the, the end of slavery, when a lot of uh, enslaved people would stay on the plantations where they were owned to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my particular branch would be the one group that would be like, peace i'm gonna go buy me some land somewhere here in texas and be at like we have 120 acres of land texas and we don't know how we got it wow and we've been having it since the 1800s the late 1800s wow that's a long Still don't know. time yeah paper is so yeah. fragile still don't know yeah yeah so it's very interesting you know like the more you start to learn and the study and it's it's but yeah, America owes, as a nation, owes uh, the descendants of enslaved Africans a debt. Mm-hmm. But we to it's there comes a point. There's some, you know, like this. Um, anyway, no, we're not gonna go there, girl. We're not gonna go there. Yeah, you can just read no. my Facebook wall. <laughs> that's not gonna tell me nothing. That's everybody else's business. That's not your business, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no. no but i was just gonna i was just gonna say like there is a, i was actually talking to some of the people here at the argentinians and there's been uh, several americans that have come through here one was like half uh spanish half uh native american and they're like this thing this this thing of separation that americans do that's, oh that's black that's white that's brown that's, they're like what is this <laughs> and i was just they're like you don't have, this is a purely American thing and really is gonna you know me traveling around the world it's very very it's really ingrained it's a wait, as wait. we say a script or a narrative that's ingrained which part is purely black white brown this this very were, othering each other you said from Portugal no 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 they're from Argentina they Argentina okay they have their own stuff yeah, Argentina. They absolutely they do. Like that, you but, know, there's the Harifa. No. Yeah, and they and they're aware of that. And yeah, they are very aware of it. Well. Uh, the girl, she, yeah, she lives in Spain now, but she talks about you know this like in Spain we other Moroccans, 
and you know stuff like that like and she goes so i understand it but it's it's a particular way that we do things when it comes to the ethnic separations in america that is it's really american and it was something that i i learned the first time i left the shores of america and traveled to sicily when i was in the navy it shocked me like i was just like oh i thought this is the west of the world no this is <laughs> this is just the united states it's and, really um, not though so this is anecdotal it, but malaysia you know how it's like yeah. we are one Malaysia, but there's clearly Malay, there's uh, Indian, and there's Chinese, yeah. and there's yeah. all the intracultural fighting. You know, the schools are separate. There are government schools, but then there yeah. are also Indian schools, Chinese schools, there are Malay schools. So they come but up in a system. You, yes, but if you hear, that's a national, like a ethnic thing. Our thing is like a color thing. Which is not defined. That's also... It's not defined. You get what I mean? Like, it's not defined, though. What is, what is black? Because a person... But it is that defined. Is like a, <laughs> because everybody knows not, who's black. Especially, especially no. the lighter-skinned black people who would pass as white. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. So, so that's what I'm... So what, but they had... The, 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 the white-passing black people had to do their hair in a certain way. Like, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. And, and it's just really, uh, really interesting. Yeah, Malaysia's very... But you know what, though? When I was in Kuala Lumpur, I did not experience any of that. It was my friend who was from Singapore, who's Malay, mm-hmm. who kind of peeped me into... Which is interesting, because they don't tend to talk about it at all. No, no, no. But, she, but she's American-raised. Her dad was Canadian. Oh. Uh, and so she, or Canadian, some, whatever. And so she explained to me how things, she was like, you know, it looks, it's, she's like, it's actually quite, you know, chill, really. But at the same time, um, there is a, a way that people who are not Muslim, that are, they're treated a, a different sort of way here. That's how she was explaining it to me. And she was like, in Singapore, even though Singapore is Malay, the people with the money are Chinese. And so the Malay people are treated a certain way. So, you know, Penang is mostly Chinese population. Yes. So yes, I've been to Kuala Lumpur, but I haven't spent enough time there to understand the nuance of it. Yeah. But um, there are definitely some conversations that... They're not really conversations. I ask. I have to ask about it. It's not something that is like just there for you to eavesdrop in on. Right, right. People are still very reluctant to speak about it, but it reminds me very much of America, how segregated everything is. It's how there really... are structural advantages, whether it's money or whether it's um, traditional people of the land mm-hmm. that are very apparent. And it it really yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say with the construct of how the United States is constructed. It's yeah, there are similarities, but in America, it's really there's something. I I feel like it's like a disease though with us. It's an hmm. illness hmm. with us. The racism that we have in the United States is like a disease and it's extremely violent you know and and so that's that was what the discussion was more around okay um it's it's violent um 
and it, it, it doesn't make any sense. But then I have these conversations with Australians and we laugh because I'm like, you know, American Australians are basically cousins. Whereas I feel like um, New Zealand and Canada are trying to make strides to like, um, not fix, but they're trying to heal the bridge or try, they're trying, and it's not perfect, but they're trying to uh, figure out a way make it more equal in their societies again it's not perfect but the fact of the matter is is like in the states that the fact that we're still talking about um black people being murdered by cops that are unarmed that's some shit that happened in the 1930s why is it still happening in 2019 and the cops are getting off unless they are another ethnic group other than white or a woman (laughs) let's be real and why is it you know, wh- why are we still building a wall? Why are we building a wall? What the hell? You know, like kids being adopted into a Christian agency that are being separated from their migrant family. Like, why is this stuff still happening? Why haven't we evolved? Um, or I say we, I don't really identify, but why hasn't America as a society evolved? Why haven't it evolved past this sort of behavior that we've been, that it's been doing for the last 400 plus years. But you know what? Exactly. (laughs) So let me ask you, Tanisha, um, when you were thinking about traveling, you said, I'm doing a lot here, it's time for me to go. Did you have support in that? Like, what was your process like in your mind? Did I have support from whom? From people? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I said, uh, did, did you have support? Like, was there, or did you just have to, like, do it on your own? Okay, so yes and no. Uh, so I'm a part of a group called No Madness. Everyone knows No Madness, Travel Tribe. Hey. Um, and I have a lot of friends from that group uh, that I met while I was living in Oakland, which was amazing. Um, and so they could, like, if they've traveled here or come to certain places that I'm going to, they will be like, oh, uh, here's some great places or here's some things you could do. But for the most part, this whole ashram thing, I didn't know anybody in my life that has done this. So it was kind of like me uh, throwing myself up against the wall and hoping I'd stick. <laughs> up next, we have Pasta Tanisha. Exactly. So, but I had the, the support of emotional support of friends. So my first month here, I was calling my friends almost every day, checking in. They were sending me messages. I was crying on the phone. I miss y'all. You know, come back. You know, it was like that. But like financially and knowing what I was getting into, no, no support there. Okay, okay. Hopefully I answered the question because it kind of broke up and I thought I heard everything, oh, but I'm not sure if I did. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah. no. No, listen. Asking like what your process was like. So you had been a traveler with No Madness. Had you traveled before that really though? Oh yeah, no, I hadn't been, tra- I hadn't traveled with No Madness. I just knew people in No Madness and I would always oh. dip in the group to see what the deals were. Um, but I started traveling when I was 19. When I, when I joined the military, I got shipped off to Sicily for two years. So that's... The- <laughs> oh, 
that started my travel bug. Yeah, that started it. And so uh, since then, that was 1995 for you all trying to calculate. Uh, since then, <laughs> I, uh, I taught English in China. I taught English in Korea. I went to the University of Bologna for a year. I was supposed to be doing my PhD, but I was doing my PhD and studying the back of my eyelids while I sleep. We, uh, <laughs> I did. And um, where else? Uh, la, 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 la. Those are the places that I like made money in. And so, and so this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. go ahead. <laughs> How has it been for you traveling as a black woman, like in your skin, your hair? You, you know, it's really interesting. And I had this conversation again today. I, um, I forget, it's bizarre. I forget that I'm black in that way. You know how we are hyper aware of it when we're in the United States because everything centers around, you know. Um, the first time I had that experience was when I went to Sicily, I was known as an American. Actually, the first thing you're known as is your gender when you travel. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I was known as was an American. And so I was thrown by that. And to be fair, I, I've never had like a, a, a racist experience traveling. Mm -hmm. um, the last 24 years, I've had some anti-American snobbery um, happened to me, you know, because there are a lot of people who hate the United States because uh, of the politicians. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, but as a Black person, I've not had, if, uh, I've only experienced curiosity more than anything. Okay. Um, but never like racism towards me. I've just not had that experience yet. Knock on wood. But, you know, if anything, it's been bizarre because Sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like the red carpet is rolled out for me as a black person. I don't know if that sounds bizarre. You know, everywhere I've gone, like I end up befriending the locals. The locals yes. love me, you know, that sort of thing. Um, that's been my experience. When I was in Penang two months ago, the guy that worked at the um, front desk of the old uh, Penang guest house I was saying, and he's from Pakistan, was like, in love with me and started feeding me. Girl, he started feeding me from his hands. We, <laughs> I was like, what's uh -huh. happening? <laughs> that's that, that has, that's been my experience in travel. And I've been to some places where black people have had a hard time in those places like China. I will say in China, when I taught English in China in 2000, um, I did experience some racism, but it was my boss. That was it. Who was from Hong Kong. Everybody else, the teachers that I work with, the Chinese teachers, the Chinese assistants in the office, mm -hmm. um, the, the kids' families love me. I got adopted by a Chinese family. Girl, they gave me their last name. <laughs> like, this, I was a Lee. I was a Lee, okay? And so, like, okay, Miss Lee. <laughs> so my experience as, as traveling is that uh, I don't even, I, I, I leave the American stuff at home. And so I drop it and then I just travel and, and I've, I've, I feel as if I've been uh, truly welcomed, you know, as a traveler abroad. Um, and I've had great conversations with people. We have talked about America and the state of being, 
we've talked about what it's like being a black person in America. I've had really interesting conversations around the world um, that I've been to. Um, and I still got like three more continents that I need to visit. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and these conversations, because they're curious, you know, they're very curious. And, um, but it's been really amazing uh, traveling, you know, like I see the world differently. And I remember coming home because I, I had a cousin who asked me this question. He was engaged to a biracial girl. They, they're no longer together. They were going to get married and they were deciding where they were going to honeymoon. And I think they wanted to go to the Seychelles or Fiji or something. Mm -hmm. And he has not, this particular cousin of mine has not been out of the United States. And so and he's like this six foot three black guy who used to play football for Michigan and now he's a cop in Arizona of all places but he was like you know cuz you know I don't know can I travel to these countries like how would they treat me I'm a big black dude you know like you know I don't know what I'm what what my experience is going to be or whatever and I remember saying to him because of my travels, I said, cousin, what you'll learn when you travel is most of the world looks like you and me than it does like what we see on TV every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was really shocked by that. And I was just like, look it up. The people in Fiji look just like me and you, same hair texture, you know, like, it, you know, so I just, I've had a really amazing, and this is why every time I, every chance I can save up the money to travel, mm -hmm. I travel. It's done. You know, it's done, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and I understand I'm, I, it's a privilege for me to be able to do that. Absolutely. You know, not, yeah, not everyone can do that. So as you have been on your journey of, um, I guess maybe you could call it self-actualization. Yes. What has helped and, and as you've been traveling these last uh, six or so months, I don't know if you were somewhere before Kupangan, but uh, what has helped to keep you grounded? What has been a part of your, your self-care practices? With my self-care practices, I mean, like I said, the whole ashram life is just... <laughs> Okay. Self Listen, it's okay. Now, what I've had to do is, uh, like, you know, because sometimes your body gets tired, so when my body gets tired, I listen to it and I'm like, today I'm taking off. I mean, we get one day a week off, like today is a day off. Okay. Um, but um, sometimes I have to take an extra day. Um, I'll go and get a nice Thai massage. Not mm. a nice Thai massage because those things don't exist. They try to kill you. So I have, <laughs> I get a Thai massage with balm at Papaya Massage Parlor. And they know me so well in there, girl. I'm friends with the cats. I'm friends with the, the, the massage ladies. You know? <laughs> and then I have this beautiful restaurant that I go to called, well, two. One is called Namaskar. And it's an a Indian restaurant run by people from Nepal. And I'm really close to those people. I go in and they see, when I walk in, they just brighten up when they see me. And then there's another place called Chana Masala, which is a vegetarian Indian place. Because I'm pretty much a vegetarian, like, five days a week and then yeah. two days a week I eat meat. Yeah. Cause of course the ashram is vegetarian and uh, China Masala, I go in there and the workers in there are from Myanmar. And I mean, they freaking love me. So I'll go in there and one of them, he calls me his best friend. Every time he sees me, he hugs me. Uh, and I'll go in there and those are like my self care moments, you know? Uh, yeah. Sometimes going to the beach, you know? Um, but Yeah you know, um, and just being open, 
I think when you when you go into the world with an open heart, then the world opens its heart its heart to you. I know it sounds cliche, but I like I've just I I'm so curious about other people mm-hmm. and my experience is they're curious about me too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Sweet. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Have you not had these experiences? Have you had these experiences? <laughs> um <laughs> Vietnam was difficult for me. It was beautiful. Mm. It was very Thailand has just been like, okay. Malaysia has just been like, okay. Malaysia was easier to have them broken. Um, okay, you breaking up? You breaking up? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, uh-huh. My current visit in Indonesia to Lake Toba has been like off the charts. People Aww. are curious and they're really sweet and I found the queers here magically <laughs> and I found this really nice family and I have my best friend who's a six year old <laughs> he got in trouble oh. he was being a brat oh, no. and like they they're just so curious like they want to talk to me even though I don't know they most of them don't really know that much English but the English they do know they try to use or they'll whip out, yes. whip out their Google Translate. Like, it's like that. They're open. Yes. They're so welcoming. And, like, somebody gave me their last name. I think I'm married now. Because oh, <laughs> no. he, real life, gave me, like, this ceremonial. Like, he left to go get it and bring it back. He gave me this, like, sash that they use. And he was like, yeah, they put this around the woman when they get married. And I was like, okay. So... Oh, so I'm, See, I'm going to Vietnam. I'm going. I'm going to Vietnam next month. So, but uh, mileage varies. There are so many. Yeah, especially even in the the black women nomad group, there are so many there right now. And they yeah, I'm going to be meeting. I'm going to be. I'm going to be meeting with Charlie Cheer. I don't know Charlie Cheer. Yeah, she's a YouTuber. <laughs> Check her out. She was in Vietnam with her girlfriend. Um, yeah, but there are some girls there, and they some women there, and they notice the the same stuff that was a turn off for me, but they are making it work for them. Uh, okay. And this was like maybe two years ago that I was there. I spent nine months there. I spent a little bit of time. There. So oh wow! Three months, and then I spent six months in Dene. Um, I ain't trying to be there that long. I'm just trying to renew my passport. Well, and leave. The thing is, is, the visa is super easy and it's really inexpensive compared to a lot of these other countries. You still have to yeah. do visa runs, quote unquote. It's not really a visa run. Like they expect you to leave and come back. It's like part of the deal. The last time that I was there, I think they have been one of the more rapidly changing requirements. But it's just easy to stay there. Yeah. Where I was in. Have you been, have you been to Laos yet? Because I was thinking mm-hmm. about going there. You should definitely check it out. I haven't been, I haven't been to Cambodia. 
You're still breaking up. Oh, sorry. I haven't been to Laos and I have not been to Cambodia. Is that better? You can't hear me. I heard I've been to Laos, but I haven't been to Cambodia. Ah, okay. I really want to go to Angkor Wat. I have not been to Laos. I have not been to Laos. Okay. 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 <laughs> Got it. So, Miss right. Lisa, um, is there any poem or song lyric that is speaking to you these days? Yes. God, you made me pick one, which was evil. But we. <laughs> okay. So, this is a poem by Kali Dasa. It's called The Salutation to the Dawn. Um, and it's it's one of the poems that they, like in one of our lectures here that they read, and it's just the first time I heard it resonated with me and it still resonates with me. Uh, Rumi is also another person that resonates with me, but I'm going to read this Kali Dasa poem. It's really short and sweet. Can you still hear me? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, so it's called The Salutation to the Dawn, and it says... Look to this day, for it is life, the very life of life. In its brief course lie all the verities and realities of our existence. The glory of action, the bliss of growth, the splendor of beauty. For yesterday is but a dream and tomorrow only a vision. But today, well-lived, every yesterday a dream of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Look well, therefore, to this day. Such is the salutation to the dumb. And so that that form reminds me to always be present. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Ellie mm-hmm. got the salutation to dumb. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you so, said, yeah, like, oh my God, Rumi, listen. <laughs> Rumi is saying. Listen, Rumi be having some quotes. Uh, so the last one that I saw that really just got me was, the beauty you see in me is a reflection of you. Love that. Mm. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorites right now. Yeah, I, I have a whole lit. lit I want to get Rumi tattooed all over me. I mean, that's how much. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much I love Rumi. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. So can you share with the listeners, with the girls, with the ladies, with the women, um, how can they support you in your work? Ah, how can I? um, Hmm. Well, if they're traveling (laughs) and they need a photographer, um, I'm Bay, and uh, and I love doing photography. So. if you are traveling in Southeast Asia, which in uh, South Asia, because I will, uh, my goal is to be in Nepal in December for three months. Um, they can support me there. If you're someone that understands what tarot is, <laughs> and you want a tarot reading, um, you can do that as well. Um, or if you need someone to uh, do branding for you. So that's another thing that I do. Anything that, that deals with image is what is my department. So you, you do so, graphic design as well? 
I, uh, not, not, mm, yeah, kind of, sort of, but not really. I, I'm just really good at helping people create their image. Like, like really like um, what there is to be an actual full reflection of who they are. So, um, so I'm good at that. Like, helping, huh? I said, come on, fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So branding and imaging, you know. You need a vision statement, mission statement. I mean, girl, you know, you're trying to pick out colors for your website. I can actually do logos, I, you know, but th- it depends because I'm not a drawer. So I'm not drawing logos, but I can put one together for you or get someone together for you. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, just help you pull out of you who you are. So that's what you are, you know, putting out into the world. And where is the best place for them to reach you? So photography, um, wherever you are, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and tarot, <laughs> and branding, how, how can people... All, all, all of that is on SincerelyTanisha.com. I'm still building up the site. Um, and so if you need me more immediate than that, follow me on Instagram because that's where I update where I'm going to be if you want to make an appointment. And then you can send me a message at sincerely Tanisha T A N I S H A at gmail.com. And I, I will respond to you there. Yes. So I will share all of that in the show notes. Ma'am, it's been almost Yes. <laughs> you was trying to play with my when we have talked for, look. I'm sorry. I mean, we did talk for two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> trying to play with my feelings, but we And I appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy, your perspective. I appreciate you pulling yourself out of your process to talk about your process, because I know that that is the <sighs> Yes, yes. It starts tomorrow because tomorrow I start my TTC certification where I do six days of teacher training so I can get my 500-hour yoga certification. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm going to be a fat yogi, P-H-A-T, fat fat yogi. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, she is. Because, you know, that's the other thing. Not intentionally, but I get to break the stereotype of what a yogi looks like. <laughs> or yogi. Yeah. There's, a, there's a couple of um, yoga folks, uh, Black women, that are plus size. <laughs> who mm. are doing yoga. Uh-huh. And living that life, teaching and such. So that's yep. a representation. We're going to need some more photos of that. Yes. Please, thank you. <sighs> I know. But then you like, I don't want to be those people who be posting those weird ass yoga pictures. <laughs> you know how it, you know, like, right? It's like a circus. Real... Like, how bendy can you be? And yeah. Not the actual person. Yeah. You Western fucks <laughs> of yoga. But good job making a beautiful photo. Um, but thank you again to me. Let me doing yoga yet. But they are coming. So really appreciate you sharing so much. Oh, you broke up again. (laughs) I just said thank you so much. Uh
we will talk to you soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you for this privilege and bye ladies. And I'll see you in a week and a half. Going down. Yes, party time. Let's go down. <laughs> it's going down. <laughs> All right. Oh, take care. Okay, you take care. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.